<laughs> Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray. It's mental. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mental. You're here with Michelle Collins and Seth Showalter. Say hi, Seth. Hello there. <laughs> we are here today to brighten your lives with another episode about mental health. And we are starting a brand new series. It's a new month. I'm really happy about a new series, although I've liked all of our series. I've liked yeah, all of them. I, I have too. I will note that all of our series so far feel as if they have a common thread, which happens yeah. to be all of our own personal life issues, <laughs> which makes for wonderful material. However, you know, uh, that's kind of what... it ties it, it all together. It does. It does. And I think that our series have been enjoyable. I really liked Imposter Syndrome. So. A big a big fan. Yeah. Uh, just because I identify yeah. with that so much. But we are starting a new series. And so what are we going to talk about, we Michelle? We are. We are going to talk about body dysmorphia. Hmm. That's going to be our, our month-long discussion. The different, the different avenues of body dysmorphia. The causes, the effects, the how somebody lives with that. But before we get too deep into body dysmorphia, we thought that we would lead off with a discussion on self-esteem and self, what self-confidence, basically how we see ourselves. Because I think that that plays very much into the subject matter, at least as a starting point mm -hmm. on the way to body dysmorphia. And I think a lot of people can relate with the idea of poor self-esteem, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Which we need to clarify that that poor self-esteem is different uh, than yes. body dysmorphia. Um, and yes. I, I will note, like, as I was prepping for this interview, we've talked about whatever discussion. <laughs> we've talked about poor self-esteem in almost every single episode. Would do, you disagree? Do you think that, no, I wouldn't disagree. And and so now I'm very, very self-conscious. Do you believe that it's possible that we both have a very large problem with self-esteem? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at no, all. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. We're both laughing in disbelief in case anybody's confused. There's some snark going on here. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not a thing. That's why I'm a mental health professional. I don't have to deal with those sure. issues anymore. But let's well, go. I was going to say, you know, I heard for years and years, of course, you studied psychology, I'm studying psychology, and I heard for years and years that anybody that studies psychology does it because they're a little bit crazy. Oh, that's one. Which I don't like that term, by the way, but I think it's valid. I do not like the C word either. No. I will note that a lot of people do go into the field because they are thoroughly intrigued fascinated by their own mental health concerns yes. and, and really 100% agree their higher level of education is really a pursuit for self-understanding yes i believe that 100 so i guess we're both very guilty of that yeah but it's also terrifying because those are then the people that are ending up providing the services to the people <laughs> who are struggling including ourselves so it just gets very uh convoluted very quickly but because uh -huh. we've talked about 
self-esteem in almost every single episode. I do want to just clarify what body dysmorphia is so that okay. we can so that we can cast this net and really break down self-esteem and why this plays a role. So if we look at the DSM's diagnosis of body dysmorphia, it breaks down four key areas which include, give me one second, uh, appearance preoccupations, repetitive behaviors, clinical significance, so it's affecting you day to day, and that it is not an eating disorder, that it's not focused on body weight, that kind of thing. It's really looking at, if we look at this like struggling with an overemphasis on a specific body part as opposed um, to someone who's unhappy with his body shape. It's like this preoccupation obsessive compulsive behavior and so of course if you are focusing about something that you're unsatisfied with poor self-esteem is a part of that absolutely and and i I want that clarified so that this makes sense in the larger context of the series right and i will say now that you have reiterated those requirements to be diagnosable to body dysmorphia I know we were discussing before we started recording and I said, I thought I probably had a couple of those. I will be honest and say, now that you've said them all again, I think I'm guilty of all of them. (laughs) Well, okay. Now we have to focus. We need to clarify something here because as a mental health professional who has read a large portion of the DSM-5, I can read any diagnosis I read, I'm able to see myself in. (laughs) I I think that reading... That's hypochondria. uh, Well... (laughs) It is a thing, and we tend to to over-identify with things. And so when we look at a sure. diagnosis, we're looking at something where it is legitimately impacting you day-to-day and affecting your functioning. Have we met? Human. Well, yes. Well, it, <laughs> virtually. Virtually. <laughs> We've done a okay. lot of... But inter- wasn't it you, when we referenced a new series and you brought up the, su- the subject of body dysmorphia, you were like all giddy about wanting to talk about it because you were like, I know we want to talk about this because of you. <laughs> so on some level, you thought I was guilty of it as well. No, I shouldn't say guilty, that, that I was experiencing it as well. So I gotta, I gotta clarification coming. Okay. Body dysmorphia is a mental disorder. Yes. In which you can't stop thinking about one or more perceived defects or flaws in your appearance. Welcome a flaw to that <laughs> to others is either minor or not observable. But you may Welcome feel so ashamed <laughs> and anxious that you may avoid social situations. Now, you're not avoiding social situations. In fact, you're doing the very opposite. But when we talk about this focus on appearance, Michelle... When I go to your Facebook, <laughs> I see videos of you posing at a gym in high heels, very skimpy clothes, showing a lot of skin with a lot yeah. of muscles. That's all about appearance. So I put those two things together. I see. Am I wrong? Uh, and just for the record, doing that is so incredibly uncomfortable for me. Oh, I, I can only imagine. It, it, it makes my skin literally crawl. Mm-hmm. But I have to force myself to do it in order to work on the goals that I have. If there were a way I could compete without doing that, I'd be hands down all over that. Honestly, I mentioned I met a gentleman in the gym today who is an IFBB pro, and so that he's a pro bodybuilder. 
Mm-hmm. Literally, his shoulders were about as big as about three quarters of my head. Mm-hmm. He was he was huge. Anyway, he was posing as well, and we got to chatting, and uh, he was asking me what I was working on. I asked what he was working on. He's he's working on points for the Olympia. That's where he is in oh, wow. in his career, and. He was telling me, I said, well, yeah, I'm kind of freaking out because as I'm leaning down, I'm realizing I don't have as much muscle as I thought I did. And uh, he's like, yeah, but that's going to come, you know, and he's like, but you look good. And I was like, I'm immediately, immediately my response is always to go, well, yeah, but immediately. And that doesn't matter who's saying it. And this is somebody that knows what you're supposed to look like. And he's giving me a compliment and I can't. I can't accept it just for it's, I just can't just go, oh, thank you and move on. I can't do that. And it, it's becoming a, a real problem. It's glaringly obvious to the point where I've had a coach the last few days yelling at me. Stop yeah, your, it. Stop your it. Stop coach it. yells at you frequently. This is a different coach. Oh. This is a posing coach. Oh, there's. Yeah. Different coaches for different. Okay, that makes sense. Well, posing? my coach is my coach is a posing coach, but she's in Colorado, and I wanted somebody in person. Mm-hmm. So I spoke with somebody in the gym who's a competitor, and so she worked with me for the last few days, and she'll work with me again in another week or so. But yeah, I I have a very difficult time seeing things the way other people see them in me. Now and it's it's problematic. Well, yeah, I can see how it's problematic. I mean, hello, I do the same thing. But I, I want to <laughs> talk and, and clarify something here. Are we? Yeah. Is this specific to your body and the bodybuilding thing? Or is this bigger than that? Oh, it's bigger than that. It's always been. As we get into this discussion on self-esteem, it will become glaringly obvious how little self-esteem I have. and And I'm vividly aware of it. And yet struggle to make that change. And um, I I don't know, it's going to be uh, to me, it's going to be a very difficult conversation, because I know how much I struggle in this area. But my friend, before we go any further, we did not do a mental minute. Well, I well, I was getting ready to transition to that, too. And oh, I feel like okay. you're already sharing. And I didn't know if this <laughs> counts. But I let's go there. Sure. Since you're okay. already rolling. All right. Tell me, Michelle, how you doing? You know, as the weeks tick down here to the goal, I, I find myself a lot more tired mm-hmm. and a lot more short-tempered. So so I'm struggling with that, trying to maintain a sense of pleasantness for the people in my life while I'm struggling with all the mental shit that goes along with this, not to mention being hungry and sore and just physically tired. So yeah, this takes a lot. And I, one thing I have noticed, I think I mentioned this to you in a polo the other day, like the level of emotion that keeps coming up in the last few weeks is just ridiculous for no reason. There won't be any reason at all. And suddenly I just want to sit down and cry. And so I, I, yeah, I'm tired. tired. Uh, and it's mental, it's mentally draining as well. They talk about when you get deep into prep, they talk about brain fog because uh-huh. of the lack of carbs in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's so very true. Like I have a hard time forming words sometimes, getting the thoughts out of my brain, out where I want them to be. And so that's very frustrating. So yeah, I, I'm sure the emotion is normal for this too. And of course, everybody's different. You're going to experience this differently. But for me, for whatever reason, just super emotional. So I keep having to reset during my day. 
When you say reset, what does reset mean? Like take a few minutes, deep breath, relax, recenter on what I need to do and and move on. I I will say this. (laughs) I I feel somewhat bad about this. Like from the beginning of us doing this, I've been in prep. (laughs) And so I feel like I talk about it constantly and I'm like, I'm sick of myself. (laughs) When is the competition? Anybody who's sick of this, I'm sorry. The first one is November 7th. So it's about five weeks away. And then I'm back to back. So November 14th is the second one. Okay. And then the third will be December 5th. So. I still have quite a ways to go, but I think I'll feel better after that first one. Mm-hmm. I think that you makes will sense. too. Yeah. Anyway, so my mental minute is completely absorbed by this process. And so I'm tired. I'm sorry if everybody's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> oh, I doubt anyone's tired of hearing about oh, it. Oh, I'm sure somebody is. <laughs> it's truly fascinating. It's different. I don't know what that's like. I know what it's like to be tired, but not like this. Yeah. This is like yeah. emotional. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's everything. It's mental, it's physical, true. emotional. It's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, when, you, when you come across somebody and I was talking with somebody this week again, that has competed in the past. And she was like, people do not understand what you go through, what you give up to do this. They see the sparkly, pretty shit. They don't see all this blood, sweat and tears behind the scenes. Well, so. I, I mean, I, well, okay. Time out. So, <laughs> couple points of reference and you aren't going to like that i'm going to do this but Uh (laughs) one you chose this of course yes i did okay choices consequences Mm -hmm. for our choices Mm -hmm. and second thing there is no bodybuilder in the world that i'm going to be like oh you didn't work for that like hello I get off work and I sit in a lounger every day <laughs> and I watch CNN and get made fun of on Marco Polo from Fade to Gray. That's my life. I don't I don't work like you do. And I and I would never uh, uh, pretend as if I you don't work hard. Now, do I understand exactly how you're feeling? God no. But I would never think no, you would work. No, well, it. you might not, but other people do and have. Really? Yes. Tell me about. I'm sorry. I'm I'm truly fascinated. Not not what necessarily with me, but I have a lot of friends that are, of course, involved in the sport. Um, any of my friends that are involved on the bikini side of this, they often are thought to not have worked very hard. Oh, you just put on a bikini and you got on the stage. Maybe even from other bodybuilders, because th- what they have to work on for what's required in their division is very different than other divisions. And so people have an, uh, an idea that, oh, there's not much muscle there. So obviously you don't spend much time in the gym. And that's not true. Those girls spend a tremendous amount of time in the gym. They're just specific to certain things, as is each category. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people that, especially if they see the stage stuff where you have the jewelry on and the heels and the suits and it's you're, you're tan and you look healthy and you look, you know, smiley. Everybody thinks that looks amazing. And and I've run into people in the gym that are like, I really want to do this. But you watch them work out in the gym and they are pretty lackadaisical. They're not, they're not in it. Mm-hmm. And so well, to them it looks good. Right. Well, okay. Uh, Yes, I'm an intense personality. However, if you have decided to compete, there's a commitment that goes along with that as far as the work involved. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing that work, 
you're not going to be happy with what you put on the stage if you even make it to the stage. And so, you know, I'm just thinking that there's a lot of people that see the glitz and the glamour of it. And that's just the outcome. That's, that's not the process, you know? And honestly, if I never had to put on jewelry or heels, I'd be completely 100% happy because I don't enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. So the gym shit is easy. <laughs> it's the mental craft that's really difficult. So, so I'm going to ask a controversial question Uh-oh. because I think some of our, mm, I was going to say some of our listeners might think this, but I doubt any of them are thinking this because I don't think that they're bad people, but <laughs> I am. So you're not bad people. Is, is not going to this extent, right? Making this commitment, quote unquote, and doing all of this work, all of this stuff you're actively doing from fasting mm-hmm. to fasted cardio to going to the gym multiple times a day and mm-hmm. smoozing with you know men <laughs> double your size smoozing <laughs> is this not a way of you is this not a coping strategy for you in a way of managing your ang- like managing it, your well, mental okay, health? it actually is it is because i do have issues with depression i have for years and years and years and mm-hmm. i have problems with anxiety I've tried the medication route. We've talked about that before. It didn't work for me. I didn't like how I felt on it. This actually helps manage the depression and the anxiety, uh, the the physical release of endorphins and the stress, you know, of of pushing hard and making yourself perform actually does help with those things for me. And it does for a lot of people. I know quite a few people who deal with those same things and exercise is an outlet for them. Because basically you're releasing brain chemicals that mimic any kind of medication that you can take. Right. No, and I get that. That's that's a well-established yeah. fact. Yeah. But tie this to self-esteem, though. Like, I want to take this a step further and go beyond depression, go beyond anxiety, and look at the actual self-esteem behind this. Because you well, mentioned multiple times that you have really crappy self-esteem and then I see all of this activity. I see all of these things in a way, and I don't, this might be a controversial word, but like compensation. It's as if you're compensating for your poor self-esteem sure. by becoming this god in human form. <laughs> well, there's a funny way of saying it. Again, because I don't, I don't see it that way. Of course you don't, because it's just, no. because you have poor self-esteem. That's, that's, that's. <laughs> That's that's my point. That's where I'm coming at. And I can see, I can agree with you, yes, that it probably is some kind of coping uh, mechanism. Um, Maybe it is compensation. I can tell you that if I'm going to feel good about myself, it's going to be during a workout and immediately following workout. Of course, there's the release of all the endorphins in your in your in your brain in the body chemistry, but also, especially if I've worked a really hard workout, I feel accomplished. Like, cause it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress on your body and I'm 54 years old. So honestly, I'm, I don't know what the percentage of 54 year olds are that are doing what I'm doing, but I think I'm up there pretty far Mm -hmm. uh, as far as how hard I'm working and the stress I'm putting on my physical body. So why, so why don't you feel self-confident? Okay. All right. So I was thinking about this and I'm going to go back to something that we talked about in our very first series on imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And one of the P's that we talked about was perfectionism. Yes. And I'm a huge perfectionist. 
Mm -hmm. I'm never satisfied. I'm never content. I always want more. I always want better. And I will tell you that I think most people that participate in this sport will actually cop to the fact that, yeah, I'm never satisfied. I want more. I want bigger. I want better, which is why you'll find such uh, an occurrence of steroid use right. in in this sport. I mean, it's it's available in most sports, but in this sport specifically, you will find tremendous amounts of steroid use. Yes. That subject was brought up to me twice yesterday, mm. which I thought was amazing. The first time it was brought up to me was somebody that I was in a conversation with it was a woman and she asked me, she goes, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want a straight answer. And I go, yeah. She goes, are you, are you gearing up? Which is terminology for doping or using some form of testosterone or something to help. And I said, no. And she said, you're completely natural. I said, completely natural. She goes, why? And I said, what? And she's like, why? Why wouldn't you use it? And I'm like, I, I, I couldn't even function for an answer for a moment because it used to be that that was a very hidden side. And it's it's pretty well known and open now. And I said, well, honestly, I'm in my 50s. I don't need to mess around with my body chemistry. I mean, I've already got, you know, hormonal changes happening in my life as it is. I don't need to mess with that. And she's like, well, you should. And I said, so I take it you do. And she's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, to each his own. I'm not going to judge you for it. And then an hour or two later, I was talking with a another young man. Was He had this weird workout thing he was doing. I don't know. I've never seen it before. He came over and he started chatting with me. And he said, he goes, so are you bodybuilding? And I said, yes. And he's like, are you going to compete? And I said, yes. He said, um, you're not using steroids, are you? And I go, no. And he goes, oh, good. You shouldn't use that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so two totally different perspectives mm -hmm. in the same day, which I thought was amazing. But that, so you're going to find people are always reaching for better, more. They is, want. Is there, and I'm sorry, I know this is your mental minute and I I just keep interrupting. Oh, it, we're way over a minute now. But so. <laughs> I want to know, like, is there, is there a, a goal? Like, is there a pinnacle, something that you're working towards, or is it this constant rat race where you never win? And that even kind of applies to the whole God thing and the deconstruction thing, like this mm -hmm. constant chasing and never finding, like, what is it that you're seeking uh, that's, it, it, or is it a constant race? I don't know. I think if you compare the different things we've talked about and bringing deconstruction back into it. Just to clarify on that, and because this was something I don't think I clarified while we were discussing that subject, while I believe that we never stop deconstructing, I am not, I don't believe actively in the throes of emotional de deconstruction anymore. Hmm. I feel pretty comfortable where I am. I don't know that I've figured out God yet, but I also am not stressed out about it. Hmm. So as it pertains to this entire, this, you know, bringing that all together and finding the common denominators here, do, do I think you're ever satisfied? No. Because I think it's always a continuation. It's a journey. It's a process. And you you want that next step. And I think that's true as it pertains to God. I think it's true as it pertains to this, uh, to our own self-esteem. We always want More. the next thing. Mm -hmm. The trick, I think, is finding the ability, which I will hands down admit I do not have, to be content where we are but not satisfied. And I think we talked about that before. We have. 
Yeah. We've talked about all of this before. I know. I know. That's why some of our episodes kind of seem like they're rehashing, but they all apply to these bigger concepts within the series. And so they do. um, I think that this is definitely a a good starting place if we're going to talk about body dysmorphia. So, yeah, I agree. But now you have to do a mental minute. Oh, do I? Okay. You do. Yeah, I've had time to think. (laughs) I'm good, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not doing. I'm not doing poorly. Uh, the this week was interesting, just politically speaking. I know we don't talk politics oh my on God. the show very much, but that that uh, has has been impacting me to a large uh, extent. Specifically, in looking what a at shit show like <laughs> Facebook right now is. Oh my God! If we're not going to enter a civil war, it's happening right now on Facebook. Oh. The things that are being reported on there are ridiculous and it's obnoxious i was just recently in a conversation with my cousin so yeah we're gonna talk mental minute (laughs) so and again i think i've talked about all of this so some of this is going to be repetition but i come from a very strong religious family and ever since coming out as gay i never it's very awkward and so I've kind of distanced myself from a lot of my relatives over the years. And I've recently been in like a big Marco Polo group with a lot of my cousins and extended family. And I just have felt completely like on, like just not connecting at all. Like these are not my people (laughs) and having difficulty feeling okay in that space. And so I invited my other cousins, just two of them, into a Marco Polo group. And uh, last night we were up really, really late talking. And it was just really interesting to kind of see where everybody is. And I was able to be myself in that mm-hmm. in that chat. And we had a whole discussion on our family and like our political belief, on their political beliefs and how we were raised and were we raised right? I certainly think that we we all <laughs> thought that we were, but like this whole thing with Trump is really kind of shining a light on a lot of the things that we thought were what they were and they aren't. <laughs> and I even went to an extent to kind of bring in the self the self esteem issues. I was pretty upfront and was like, whenever we go home for family events i'd never feel like i can really be myself and i feel like i have to wear a mask um and and that has impacted my self-esteem a lot and i think a good portion of why i struggle with self-esteem is partly because i don't fully feel validated by my family now i don't mean my immediate family my parents are awesome i'm talking about my extended family the the family tradition that's been passed down Right. My sexuality does not jive with that in any shape or form. So, you know, there's just this inherent disconjointedness, if you will, (laughs) that I think has uh, impacted my self-esteem to a large extent. Um, But overall, I've been I've been well. I mean, I'm excited that I was able to connect with my two cousins and kind of unpack a lot of our childhood and kind of where things are. The world is really scary right now politically. Did you watch the debate? It is. Uh, no, I could not bring myself to watch it. I knew it was going to be a shit show. Honestly, again, I was in the gym and they have Fox News on everywhere in the gym. Of course they do. And 
I could see the two, they had them on the screen. I could see them and I could see both of their mouths moving at the same time. And I was like, I knew it was going to be that way the whole time. I have no desire to sit there and listen to two men try and speak over each other. It's craziness. Literally, it's not just them speaking over each other. They, Donald spoke over Chris Wallace from Fox News as the moderator and, and yeah. wouldn't adhere to any of the rules. That That's what's so absolutely frustrating. Who's because Fox News? What, it's his own what, network. What? Yeah, and what's frustrating to me about that is is purely the idea of the point of a debate in the first place. Right. That's for you and I to be able to evaluate our views on each of the candidates. So if they are not willing to adhere to the rules so that we can hear each of their viewpoints, there's no point in me watching. And honestly, I feel like it was an exercise in futility. I, I, I knew it was going to be like that. I had no desire to watch that uh, because I knew it would frustrate me and make me angry. And I've, it's terribly disappointing because it is the height of arrogance to assume that your opinion is so fucking important that you can't let somebody else speak. And so to me, the people that really suffered in that debate the most are you and I, the the American public, because we were cheated out of what we should have got out of that debate. Problem is, and and I've never acted. I've never heard the president of the United States say a coherent, logical sentence around a policy ever. He doesn't know how to have those conversations, and that's why he distracts. That's how he won in 2016, and it may be just how he wins in 2020. However, I think he really hurt himself in this last debate. Uh, I don't know. It depends on who you talk to. Honestly, here's, here's some of the feedback I heard that... Of course, everybody that supports Donald Trump is like, he's a straight talker, he's a straight shooter, he's a tough guy, he's this, he's that, and uh, we like that. And then Joe Biden tells him to shut up, which, by the way, I would have said the same fucking thing. Shut up. Shut up, man. He's told, how dare you, how dare you speak to a, a president that way? How, I, how rude of you. And I'm like, what happened to all you straight talking people? I thought that was your deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought you were down for the John Wayne bullshit. You know, so honestly, again, I don't want to see now we're going to get into politics. Yeah, I know. We shouldn't do that because honestly, it's 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 obnoxious. But this is my mental minute. And so I I did bring it up because it's playing (laughs) a role uh, in my mental health and and really everybody's everybody's mental health right now. Everyone Mm -hmm. is on edge. The country is again, I'm only 31 years old, so I've not seen everything. And I know that we went through a civil war, but it is, I would say within my lifetime, it feels like we're at a point. It does feel scary. Yeah, we're, feel we're, scary. we're at a point. And um, I fear a civil war, honestly. And I know that's a, a lot of people believe- will tell me I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm a liberal libtard for saying that, but like, I, I a stupid term i really feel like there's something's got to give and i just i do believe we're at a defining moment yeah what what's going to happen from that moment i don't know but um you know people's true colors are showing right now and yeah for sure (laughs) yeah i've just pretty much stayed off of social media i mean i post things here and there but every time i end up commenting somewhere somebody wants to jump in and just be an ass and i don't have the patience for it right now i just don't right so i'm just just really disappointed when it's my family you know when it's the well of when course it's the yeah. people that 
you know, taught me to be a good Christian and, and taught me what it was like to, you know, turn the other cheek and love your neighbor as yourself and all of those yeah. things. And then I look around and it's all these, that is the message that was drilled home and that is not what I'm seeing. And that, yeah, that saddens me. I, I agree. I mean, I have the same situation even in my own house. Uh, we, you know, there's people that live with me that we do not d- agree on politics at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep questioning those same things. How do you justify this kind of mentality? Uh, I had a friend tell me the other day that he actually spoke to his parents and said, you raised me better than this. Yeah. You raised me as a Christian. And, and everything you're telling me now is the opposite of that. So what am I supposed to think? You raised me better than this. Mm-hmm. No, that's, and that's my argument. And that's where I... It's valid. And I don't know. And again, I have to be very careful here because I don't want to just point the finger and, and judge them because I know that no, I'm, of at, course not. I'm at fault too for a lot of things. But the image that I was taught to follow is not being represented right. by the people who taught right. me. So I that it's just causing yeah. second thoughts. But... Let's break. Yeah. Let's jump now because I feel like we <laughs> feel like I've processed. Let's jump now into self esteem and self confidence. Now we've already talked quite a bit about this at the beginning because you know your situation and your mental minute kind of involved a lot of this. But right. let's talk about self esteem because I mean at its foundation is it not just what we think about ourselves? Well, that's it. It's the self concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an offshoot of the self-concept. And the self-concept, of course, is nothing more than what we think about ourselves. Right. The The problem with that is there are so many factors that play into how that develops in us, as if you will, as you're growing up. Because obviously yourself, the concept of self starts at an early age, you know, when you become aware of your who, oh, I'm a different person. I'm my own, you know, autonomous individual. That's the the beginning of the concept of self. And so then everything in your life from then on begins to affect that that sense of self. So you have to you have to look at the events of your childhood. You have to look at society's effect on you, the media, even the family members. All of those things have an effect on how we feel about ourselves, wouldn't you say? I agree with you. It is holistic. We, it's never one, just one thing, typically. No. It, it's always a combination. You know, when we talk about mental health issues and, and mental illness and just kind of struggling with mental health, it's always in the eye of the beholder. It's always right. how you perceive things, um, regardless of what those circumstances are. And it it's always a combination, right? It's all about that lived experience. It's never just, oh, I was treated badly at home or, oh, I wasn't, I didn't fit in at school or, oh, I haven't felt close to God or I got kicked out of church or whatever. It's, we have to look at all of this holistically because we are a byproduct of everything that we have experienced. Exactly. Exactly. Literally, we are the product of our experiences. So it's never just one thing. Right. Um, Ironically, I will say, as I was reading more into the subject matter and doing some research into it, it makes sense to me, but it's not something I think I knew, you know, Mm -hmm. on on a conscious level. But there have been studies done that show that people who have an unhealthy self-esteem actually are more likely to experience stress, anxiety, and depression. Oh, 100%. And I'm all of those. So it... 
to me, I'm just like, I just keep, I just keep ticking the boxes. <laughs> Again, it's why we don't encourage people to go to WebMD when they have a cold. Uh, yes. Because yes. they'll walk away thinking they're dying of stage four lung cancer and right. <laughs> diabetes. Like you can't, can't, you know. No, but I think for me, it just kind of brings it all together because obviously I've known I've dealt with depression and anxiety for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, from, I don't know that I would say from early childhood, but certainly from the beginning of my teen years on, depression was a very big deal. It wasn't until I was older and understood what anxiety was and realized I had been suffering from that all along. And of course, stress is, you know, I'm a stress monster. So, I mean, so when I, when I look at that, those are all things that I have thought about individually about myself. So it doesn't, it's not a far leap for me to go, oh, these are a byproduct of a poor self-esteem. That should have made sense, but it's not something I consciously was aware of until I read that and then went, ah, okay. Well, I don't know if I'd so. call it a byproduct. Well... Having low self-esteem puts you at greater risk. Yes. Okay. To That's a better way to experience things like depression, anxiety, and things of that nature. Right. Uh, it's typically a symptom or, or side effect that goes along with the diagnosis. Right. But like, let's talk about when you have low self-esteem, which I think okay. both of us can cop to this, that we experience low self-esteem and have struggled with that previously. Yeah. You know, let's talk about some of the effects of that. I mean, in okay. my own life, you know, if I do not feel confident or I do not feel good about myself, I I, I tend to want to isolate and withdraw yeah. from social situations. I can't tell you how many times I've like, you know, deleted people out of my phone or blocked people and then added them back. Like I I I have to <laughs> distance myself. And then also with that social isolation comes isolation in general, in which case you don't do anything. You kind of just shut yeah. down. At least that's yeah. what it's looked like for me. What about you? Right. I, I don't know. I There's a couple different, I think, signposts mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. um, some of the stuff that I came up with and that I thought about for myself, uh, difficulty speaking up for myself or prioritizing my own needs over somebody else. Typically, that feels selfish. And of course, again, pulling religion back into this, you're taught in Christianity to think of the other always. And so you do kind of put yourself behind everybody else. So I have a very difficult time speaking up and saying, I need help or I need, you know, I need to do this for me. I'm sorry. It interferes with what you need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a big one. Saying I'm sorry all the time. I am horrible and i saw you look away so i know you are too i am horrible about constantly apologizing and i've been called out on that a lot lately by my coach um, when she corrects something i'll say oh, okay i'm sorry and she'll say stop saying you're sorry and and immediately i want to say sorry again mm -hmm. like so that's a characteristic uh or an indicator if you will so you remember last week when I mentioned that I like work was just kind of a rough week. Things just right. didn't line up the way I wanted them to. Right. Because of those issues, I felt like I constantly needed to apologize to the people mm -hmm. I was training. And right. literally my trainee at one point said, stop apologizing. This is not your fault. You have nothing to apologize. And this is not the trainer saying this, this is the right. person I'm training. You know you're having an impact when the person has to speak up and tell you to shut up. 
Yeah. So, and do, yeah. doesn't that bring out a sense more in you of like, oh my gosh, I really yes. want to apologize for that now as yes. well? <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, some of the other stuff I would say, I'm not big on confrontation. I have to be really, really angry for confrontation. Now, I will say I'm more prone to confrontation now than I ever have been in my life, but typically not rocking the boat, just allowing other people to have what they want and not, even if I think it's wrong, because it's easier. It's easier. See, you're smiling again. So is yeah, that- Yeah, <laughs> because I got this week, man, here's my mental Bennett. This week- <laughs> I had a conflict with someone Uh-oh. that I often podcast with and they felt as if I had a beef or some issue with them, which there was, there's a history here, but I kind of mm-hmm. got called and was like, you need to own up to this. You need to confront this. You need to address this. And I want to avoid it like the freaking plague. I hate confrontation (laughs) to the point that I will do almost anything to avoid it. Like I will die a martyr. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, whatever I got to do to get this conflict over because I I don't want to address it. So I can identify with it. Oh, it's very uncomfortable and I hate it. Yes. I'm not good at it. (laughs) Well, that comes up, that brings up another signpost anyway. And something that I'm again, very guilty of uh, lack of having boundaries. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's very, very, it's very, very difficult for me to set a boundary and hold somebody else accountable to it because I'm a, I'm a yes person. I'm a people pleaser. We've talked about that as well in imposter syndrome. I'm a people pleaser. And because I don't feel secure enough in my, in my own self, that if somebody pushes back, I, I'm more than, more than likely going to acquiesce, which can be pretty bad depending on who you're talking with and what you're talking about. I have put a few boundaries in place with some people and said, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is my boundary. I can't go past this anymore. I did that several years ago on a very, very personal note. I did that with a family member and it was incredibly difficult. I wanted to cave and I knew I couldn't. And in the end, I feel like I ended up caving and I'm deeply disappointed in myself over that. But there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. Regardless, a lack of being able to set those boundaries is indicative of you not feeling as though you're confident in your own thought processes or in your choices. And you're waiting for somebody to tell you that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's how it plays out for me. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me I'm wrong. Michelle, you're right. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) See what I did there? Yeah, I do see. Boundaries have never been a strong suit of mine. It just wasn't, honestly, the way I was, the way I was raised and, and grew up, like my aunt and uncle were my life and I told them everything. Like there were no boundaries. That was not a thing that existed. And so I kind of, have always learned to be comfortable in that. And historically, if I even look at my own history to getting to where I am now professionally, I struggled with boundaries a ton when I first started uh, after grad school. In fact, I lost jobs because of my lack of being able to maintain boundaries. So to some extent, I think I've grown a lot in that area. And I think that's important to 
to touch on, right? That yeah, that we can we can struggle with these issues and get better at them. Now, I sure again, I don't think I have the greatest boundaries, but I have seen progress in that, um, and right. I think that's important to note. Yeah, I, and I think I, I've seen some success with that as well. And I, again, I think age does play a part of that. Life experience mm-hmm. as you Maturity. go on and on, y- you become a little more confident about the things that you're willing to accept and or not accept. Mm-hmm. So I think that to some degree that does change you evolve in that process. Um, that's not to say that you can't do that just because you work on it because you can as well for that reason. I think another thing that that plays into maybe those boundaries and, and things like or this topic in general is just that that internal monologue that goes on, you know, the and we've all read books, we've all heard things about negative self-talk. Because we have pretty steady diet of negative self-talk for most people. You know, there's there's very few people that are at a healthy level of self-esteem that their self-talk is what keeps them going. Mm-hmm. More often than not, it's them reviewing what's negative about themselves. Right. Um, or maybe that's just my experience and I'm projecting it onto everybody else. I don't know. Also possible. <laughs> Yes, also possible. But let, let's talk a little bit about how that negative self-talk, and I would even say in, in talking about the boundaries and not wanting to offend people, mm-hmm. right? It's all yeah. like a result of a lack of self-confidence. Yeah. Or I don't know, again, chicken or the egg, which one came first? But it, it self-confidence is very much tied into this because if we yes. are constantly beating ourselves up or you know that letting that negative tape run and we're constantly worried about upsetting someone or offending someone or saying the wrong thing we're kind of defeating ourselves in regards to our success because yeah. in order for us to succeed we need to be self-confident yes i agree i think however there's a difference between self-esteem and self-confidence okay. let's go there um, cuz i do too so but i think there so are confidence tied. is yeah. They, oh, there definitely are. I think so as well. But confidence is pretty much a measure of faith in yourself, in your own abilities. Trust. And esteem is about our sense of self. Mm-hmm. So, th- yeah, they're tied, but there's there's a, a slight difference in them. They both involve like our thoughts and our emotions and how we perceive others and how we interact in the world. But as far as like talking chicken and egg, I'm not sure which one comes first. Yeah, like, I don't know. Your sense of self is dependent upon, you know, both of those. But I tend to think that a healthy self-esteem leads to confidence. Mm-hmm. More so than confidence leading to self healthy self-esteem. Yes, I would agree. When yeah. I think that confidence is really based on prior experience. Like, I think that you yes. become confident when you're successful, right? Like, when you do right. something well and you're proud of it, you become confident in that area. And so, it's all based upon these prior experiences, which if you yes. have a very, very low self-esteem, you're not going to see those small gains a lot of the time right. because you're beating yourself up and you're not able to see the actual progress you're making. And so, I would say that self self-esteem leads into confidence yeah positively or negatively absolutely yeah and and you know you're right confidence does come through a process Mm -hmm. 
you know, taking it back to what I know, that's why I'm saying I, f- I will feel better after this first competition because it will not be an unknown to me anymore. Uh, regardless of how well I do or don't do, I will at least have had the experience so I know what to expect. And so that will lead to a sense of confidence mm-hmm. in the processes, in, in the next competition. Now, I will be honest and say that if I don't do well in the first one, that <laughs> that confidence level probably will take a hit for the second one, but it won't stop me from doing it. Right. So it's so yes, the longer we do something, the better we get at it, the more confident we feel. So mm-hmm. but I like the distinction because I, I do think that's important. Yes. And so to yeah. kind of break that down one more time, self-esteem is the opinion you have of yourself. And right. self-confidence is your ability to trust yourself. Right. To some extent. It's all about that trust factor. Yeah. And and so let's in looking at these two things, and I like that we differentiated them as well, but what are things that can help us increase that self-esteem or that self-confidence? I mean, we talked about self-confidence being prior success, so I think we've got the answer right. to that. Right. But when looking at self-esteem, if, if, you, if you've struggled with self-esteem, I've struggled with self-esteem, what have we found is helpful? I mean, I can bring up several things, but you're the bodybuilder. Well, one of the things that I have really been trying to work on is visualization. I want to be able to visualize myself the way I want to look and be, especially as it pertains to competing and posing and all this. It's very, it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult discipline Mm -hmm. from a physical standpoint. It's very uncomfortable, but also it's mentally taxing. So I try to picture or visualize myself in the way I want to be. Because I do believe that our brain is incredibly powerful, and I believe that if we see ourselves a certain way, we will actually create activities that lead us to that, that will push us in that direction. So that's why we do have to be so very careful, not only with self-talk, but how we actually see ourselves. So now that's easier said than done. Mm Mm-hmm. But honestly, I did hear a story one time and I thought it was incredibly interesting and it, it, it speaks a lot about visualization. I don't know who this person was, but it was a story I read about an American POW years and years ago, like Vietnam era, who I don't know how long they were in captivity. It was, it was quite a long time, but he enjoyed playing golf. And so as he was in captivity, every day he would visualize himself playing go- a full round of golf. On his course, he knew his course. He visualized each and every hole. He visualized his swing, everything about the game. And he he did this daily for the entire time of his captivity. When he came home, when he finally was able to come home and he was healthy enough, he played golf. It was like he had never missed a day because he had developed this pattern or this habit of visualizing himself doing it exactly as he would want to. And his body and his brain responded to that. That's how powerful our brains are. When that falls right in line with self-affirmations as well, right? Yes. So you're talking about visualization. I mean, a self-affirmation is laying out something positive, typically, um, about yourself, even if you don't believe it. Right. You know, in saying that and repeating that and then playing that around in your mind over and over and over again until you eventually believe it. Self-affirmations can be extremely powerful. And we had a whole episode, I think, uh, when we we unpacked that, which I would encourage everyone to go check out. I think that was during the the imposter syndrome. It was imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. We had a whole discussion on that. And I also, something for me that 
have started doing is when I get compliments, I print them out and I hang oh, them up on idea. my wall. Yeah, that's a good because, idea. Because this is the thing. In my profession, compliments do not happen that frequently. And when they right. do occur, you've really got to jump on it. And so I have compliments that I have posted up on my wall in front of my computers so that anytime that I feel stressed out or I have a lot of self-doubt or I don't feel like I can do the job or whatever it might be, I can look at that compliment and be reminded of, no, you very well can and you have and you're going to do it again. Um, and, right. and so that's something that I have found helpful as well. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I like that idea, by the way. I, I really like that idea. I, I, one of the things I was really thinking about this last week is, you know, we, we've we've made jokes about it and we've talked about this and not just here, but in other groups and whatnot, the different kind of comments that come my way mm -hmm. because of posting pictures or videos or, you know, some of those are, come on, let's go. Yep. Some are appropriate and some are not appropriate. Educate us. I um, want, I want this whole story <laughs> out. I don't care if we have to do another mental minute. Go. No, 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 no. I I'm just speaking generally. I've received hundreds of messages through social media based on, how I look in a certain video or in a picture. And there's always this request for more. Yeah. That's called not a compliment, honey. That's called a cat call. That's they're yeah. They're not, yeah. they're not messaging you to so, compliment you. They're messaging you because they want nudes. I, I get that. Now, not, I won't say all of them are because some of them are people that I actually know, mm -hmm. like have known for a while. Sure. And so immediately the first thing that happens is there, there is a bump to your self-esteem almost like, oh, somebody has noticed that I'm really working on this, that I look good, you know, that I, I'm trying, I'm working hard. And so there's that, that immediate, it's almost like an adrenaline shot, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But we all know body chemistry, when your body has a jolt of adrenaline, it also releases a different, um, and I don't know what the chemical is now. <laughs> I can't think of it. Serotonin? No, but it's the chemical that react that that is the opposite of adrenaline. It brings your body back into homeostasis. And so, because adrenaline is a fight or flight. Right. There's another chemical released when the, when the thing that caused the adrenaline release it, is gone. There's another chemical release that is the opposite of that. Well, so what I found happening is for a while you get these comments and you feel like, oh, wow, that's nice. You know, if they're not creepy and trust me, there's a lot of creepy ones, but whatever. But you start, you, you feel a little bit better. But then after a while, I found myself realizing that like, well, hell, I mean, so you're only interested in how I look like I'm a whole person. Like you're not interested in anything else about me. Just that. What? What? Yeah, That's I a gotta, funny look. I got. I gotta push <laughs> back. You're okay, posting. Back. You're posting pictures on social media. Yeah. Uh, you're posting pictures <laughs> on social media that will will garner attention, Michelle. Like I, I understand that. That's it, you know, it's and I, I've got, I'm going to say something, and people will not be happy with me. But it's like. The men's argument, right? That if you wear oh, nothing, bullshit. I mean, are you not asking for it? I, I'm no, not, that's I'm bullshit. Not I know that is bullshit. And I'm not suggesting that. I don't believe that bullshit. But what I'm saying is like, 
that look i i will you're kind of putting it right in front of them you're feeding i agree i will acquiesce that when you post things like that or you dress a certain way that yes there's an expectation you should have that you will garner attention however you are not responsible for that attention as far as whether it is negative or positive that is not on you as as the person and so yes i've received a lot of positive attention. I've received a lot of negative attention and I'm saying negative, not in somebody chastising me or giving me negative feedback, but creepy shit. All right. So uh, yes, I agree. I'm putting those pictures out there, but I put them out there for me, not for any individual or person, other person. I put them out there for me because that is a running diary of my experience. And I constantly am going back and pulling pictures to compare, to see where I've come, where I've gotten to. My problem, as I said, I had this this aha moment in which I had received a lot of these very positive comments and realized that for like most people, I mean, after a while on social media, you're living for the likes, you're living for the positive comments. It's it's affirming to you somehow. And then I had this aha moment that I am more, there's more to me than what these people can see. And yet, how many of them would be interested in the rest of me? Well, and that's, it's a daunting thought. So, okay. Consider the source. Well, I do. I trust me. I do. So, I'm, like, I'm under no illusions here. <laughs> I mean, these people, one, I don't expect anyone who does not know me to reach out to me and be interested in me in a, as a whole person. I don't, I mean, I don't, the, why would they? Yeah, they you're have, right. They you're have, right. they have no, they, they don't know all that they can go off of is what I post. So they yes. typically respond to what I post, not right. Seth, tell me. Well, okay. So my point is the realization is how shallow that is. That's called social like, media. So if you're, that's how it yeah, works. So if you're living, if you're living for those kind of affirmations, if that's the only thing feeding you, there's a realization that at some point that's very shallow. Yes. And that there has to be a deeper well of self-esteem for you or that's never going to satisfy. And that's why you will find people on social media that go further and further and further with what they're willing to put out there because they're living for that for affirmation. Right. As opposed to finding that positive self-affirmation from within. Mm-hmm. That That's my point. Okay. No, and I, so that was my, mo- that was my moment. That. Like, this is really very shallow. Yeah. And that there is way more to me. And no, I don't expect those people to be interested or to know it. I, it was just a curiosity. I wonder if those people did know me, would they find me an interesting person outside of this? It's not that I need that. It just was a realization for me to go, I need to dig deeper within me to find the affirmation mm-hmm. because this is not the place to find it. Yeah, you're not going to get it on social media. No, not healthy anyway. Right. And, and again, you're going to go back to that idea of lack of boundaries. If you are somebody that has trouble making, you know, setting boundaries, that kind of atmosphere can actually end up with you doing things you would not normally do, mm-hmm. saying things you wouldn't normally say, because you don't know how to set a boundary and you're living for that affirmation. It's, it's a perfect storm. Yes. And it's, so. and it's very shallow and you're not going to get any real meat out of it. My, in, my encouragement to you is invest in human lives, not yes. in people's Facebook posts. Oh, for sure. Now, that's not to say I don't have very good friends from Facebook. Let's be honest. You're a friend from Facebook. That's how we know one another. We've never met face Are to face. Are we good friends? 
I don't know. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> yes, we did I mean, meet. we meet face-to-face like this. I can see your face right now, yeah. but I mean in person. We have never sat together in person. This is true. So I do, I do believe that there is a positive aspect to building those relationships on Facebook, but I don't think that that should be the main source. And now I'm outing myself because that is my main source because I'm introverted. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. What's interesting is I don't, I, this might be a diversion from the conversation, but I don't use Facebook really for social networking anymore. I don't. Mm. I um, I met people on Facebook. Great. I mean, I met you, but like most of all right. my time is spent on Marco Polo because I prefer <laughs> the face-to-face communication. Yeah, there, that is more of a, yeah. a in-person interaction there's so much that's taken out on facebook just in the you know all the emotion all the nonverbal cues all of that is gone and it it creates a big void in being able to really understand people where they're coming from and what they're really trying to say and so i really like that face-to-face contact so i developed friendships on facebook and now we kind of all just moved over to marco polo over to mark yeah because i just i'm not a big fan but it is I use it with you, with you and a few of the groups that you and I are both in, uh, and with my husband. I really don't have a very big library, if you will, of people on Marco Polo. I use Snapchat with my family. That's often videos, and but I do I agree with you. The idea you of that video, I don't, I still don't know how to use. <laughs> I I know the rudimentary part of it. I just there's so many things that it does that I don't I don't understand. YouTube, so. YouTube, Michelle. You will oh find Oh my god, I don't have that kind of time. I just don't have that kind of time. It's five minutes. Um, if that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll find it. I mean, as long as I can communicate with my kids, that's all I really care about. So, I mean, I don't need to understand it at its fullest level or capability. But anyway, going back to what we should be talking about. I thought it was all about going all the way in, you know, like go big or go well, home. Well, we were talking about things we could do to, to boost self-image or self-confidence yeah. or self-esteem. We were. So, and and affirming that that conversation was born out of the idea of affirming oneself in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What do you think? What's something else we can do? I don't do it, but I used to. And that's journaling. I think that journaling can be very, yeah. very beneficial at getting your emotions out. However, I don't think many people journal anymore. I think they go to Facebook. Facebook is the new journal, and that's the dangerous part. And then I also would suggest and really recommend developing close friendships, investing in the people in your life, um, because that's where the meat comes. That's where the, the the messages that actually matter, right? Right. If someone hits me up in my DMs that I don't know and is complimenting my ass, like that is a certain kind <laughs> of compliment. If... <laughs> You reach out to me to compliment my ass. I'll be like, "What did I do? Like, what does it really look?" <laughs> That's a whole good? different That's thing. That's a whole different conversation. Because <laughs> well, you're because there's a level in- of trust between us, right? And I think that right. having relationships that you have that built-in trust, right, does a lot of good for your self-esteem yeah. and inevitably your self-confidence. Yes, and that's what I've found. I I don't have a ton of friends. But the friends I have, I know them very, very well. Right. Yeah. And, and see, that's always been my shortcoming because I'm not great with friends. Why am I? I mean, I have a couple. Yes. I mean, 
It's you're, not about you're quantity. a good friend. I think of you as a good friend. I mean, you're the one that gets on my rants. Yes, it's about <laughs> quality, not quantity. Yeah, I know, I know, and and I consider this a very quality relationship. Um, I'm very good friends with Matthew, Matthew DeStefano. I, I he's somebody I trust as well, and I will contact him if you know I need to talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. He will do the same with me. So I, those are some very close friendships. I will tell you, I'm not great at having friendships with women. Hmm. I, am just not, I don't know. That's, that sounds weird, but I've never been that kind of, let's go to lunch girl. I just don't do shit like that. So, and women have a tendency, I don't know. I'm going to piss some people off. Women have a tendency to be very competitive and catty with one another. And I don't want to do, be involved with that. It's, I'll tell you what, being a male social worker in America is a stressful gig. Because really? the majority of who you spend all your time with is women. And I love women, but you guys know how to cut a bitch. Like the, I'm the telling political, you, we're, we're like awful. it is fierce, like far more it than is. I've ever experienced uh, with peop- with men. Yeah. Women scare me to that extent. It may explain another reason That's why I'm gay. That's what I'm, I'm talking about. I just, <laughs> they, uh, it's just vindictive. Like there's backbiting and vindictive. But again, I'm making major, women fight dirty. I'm making major generalizations, and men can do the same thing. So I need to be very careful. Yes, I'm. I'm You're talking right. broadly here, and yes. just based upon personal experience. But I, I would go so far as to say I could bet that any woman out there, if you asked them about that kind of friendship, would say, "Oh yeah, women can be pretty brutal." Mm-hmm. Like because men are men are very. I don't know. They're, they're quick to anger. There may be violence involved and then they're done. Women, it's, it can be very subtle and passive aggressive and it goes on and on and on. Men think in boxes. Everything yes. has a box. Women are like spaghetti. Everything runs into one another. <laughs> there is I've no I've never end. been compared to, sp- to spaghetti before. Is it not true? Like, I'm just saying you're that's right. how our, main, you know, our right. brains are different. They're, we, <laughs> men are all about categories. Women, yes. everything. You said what? <laughs> that affects something that happened yeah. five years ago that you said. How dare you? Like, what? Well, so here's something that comes up. And, you know, I heard Bre- Brene Brown say this not too long ago, something I was listening to. And she was talking about how when we are critical of somebody else for something, it's usually an area that we feel very, we don't have enough confidence in ourselves in that area. And she uses an example and it makes it sound like women saying this, but I think this is true. She uses the example of, oh my God, can you believe she wore those jeans? Look at her ass in those jeans. Like, which is not really indicative of what that person's ass honestly looks like. It's more indicative of the person saying it and what they think about their own ass. <laughs> that they have to, they have to, you know, push the attention somewhere else. And as she was talking about that, it made me think a lot of, uh, that's how a lot of women are. We, we are, that's how we're built to compare ourselves with one another. And often if our self-esteem is low, we are, we are speaking out against somebody else rather than confronting ourselves, and how often that comes up. I'm not going to use blanket statements either. I think there are probably men that do operate at that level, but I would say almost without hesitation that the majority of that kind of behavior is women. Yeah. I know somebody would be pissed off at me about that. And I got to be real. So I like, I want to like, I want to pull a Donald Trump and like walk that back just a little bit to save my own (laughs) skin. But yeah. (laughs) 
Well, they can be mad at me. They don't have to be mad at you. You didn't say it. Fair enough. Well, but I'm I'm speaking from a perspective of a woman. This has been right. my experience. So yes, that's that's going to be what I know. Mm-hmm. So and I'm a man, so I can't speak to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So self esteem and self confidence. I think we figured it out, right? Yeah, if only. But anyway, this is part of a greater conversation. Obviously, we'll mm-hmm. we'll discuss more of this. I'm sure next week. As we as we get a little more in depth into the actual subject matter of body dysmorphia and how this plays in, mm-hmm. um, so we we did inter- we did introduce the subject of body dysmorphia this time, but I think we'll get a little more in depth next time. Go back over the definitions, the diagnostic me- uh, definitions, as well as start talking about how it presents itself mm-hmm. in the different ways that people experience it. Does I'm that sound excited. right? I'm yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. <laughs> And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, I very much want to encourage you to please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Please. We need those reviews. We need those reviews. And they're very helpful. um, If you are interested in our material, I want to let you know um, that by becoming a Patreon, um, you will receive bonus content. And depending on what level you sponsor us at, you can even receive free merch. And there is a uh, free Marco Polo group for um, the people who do, well, I guess I, I said free Marco Polo group. It's not free. It's for our patrons. <laughs> if you decide to support us, we have a special group where you have direct access to both Michelle and I. Um, as always, this episode does uh, premiere on Under Mental Podcast on all of your podcast apps, as well as the Fade to Gray Network. Anything else we okay. should mention? We have a Facebook group. Oh, we do. Um, that you can be involved in. And of course you can ask questions or make comments there. We'll interact. But I would say the Marco Polo thing is, is really good because it's almost like real time conversation. And we've had some, I think some pretty good conversations there with the people that are our Patreons, right? Or our patrons right now. So that's definitely something people should be looking at, but the Facebook group is great as well. You can certainly post your thoughts there, ask questions, suggest topic ideas, anything like that. That's it, folks. That's it, folks. That, that, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. Back to Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> hey, these are the movies that molded me. What's up, podcast listeners? This is Elizabeth. And this is Chris. What's going on? It's Omar here from Movies That Molded Me. What is Movies That Molded Me? It's the most fun podcast around. (laughs) It's a movie ranking (laughs) game show where we take our favorite movies from a specific topic or genre and play against each other to create the definitive top five list. Where can we find Movies That Molded Me? You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) You need to listen to our show. (laughs) 